Welcome to the Marketing That Generates podcast hosted by yours truly, Lauren Powell. For over a decade, I've partnered with business owners around the globe to create and implement their digital marketing strategy. Working together with their teams, we generate more leads, more customers, and more revenue. I'm here to make your business growth simpler by making online marketing simpler. Every week, I'll be interviewing other business owners about the strategies that are keeping their marketing relevant in the long term, so they're not hammered by monthly algorithm adjustments. So are you ready to generate more leads, better leads, and more sales-ready leads online while making the most of your oh-so-valuable time? Then this is the podcast for you. Are you tired of being promised the magic pill that's going to solve all your online marketing challenges? Well, this podcast does not promise quick overnight fixes, nor a one-size-fits-all marketing formula. Instead, it will empower you to think differently and more strategically about your marketing so that you get better results. So whether you're a business owner, solopreneur, or an aspiring entrepreneur, listen in and subscribe for zero fluff and actionable takeaways. And for bonus resources, go to marketingthatgenerates.com. In our current podcast series, I interview the owners of four very different personal training businesses, and we dive deep into their marketing. Today's episode is the third of that series, and I interview Ali Kenobi, owner of Garage Chaining and Astucy. Ali owns a personal training business in Denver, Colorado, and she took the very courageous step of leaving her accounting career three years ago to start her own business in an industry she was much more passionate about, fitness. Allie has a very unique philosophy when it comes to fitness, and she approaches it from the sustainable long term, focusing on habit building and getting 1% better every single day. Allie shares some amazing marketing tips with you in this episode, along with some great gold nuggets about how to approach your own health and wellness journey. Listen in and don't forget to visit the show notes to get all the links for this episode. Thank you so much for being here, Allie. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm just going to ask, are you excited to open your first studio space? That's pretty awesome. I'm really excited. I feel like I have been waiting for this moment for three years. <laughs> so I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine that maybe the pandemic threw a little bit of a wrench in, in those plans, but now probably feels like a pretty exciting time to open an in-person space. Yeah. And I like, honestly, I have to thank the pandemic for a lot because I think that that allowed me to grow so much in the online space with a lot of my clients, but I am excited to be seeing more people in person. That is where I definitely thrive and what I love to do. So it'd be great to have more people in front of me. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk a little bit about this business you've built since 2019. So can you just share a little bit more about the problem or the pain points that you help your clients solve? Yeah. So this, this might sound a little nitpicky, but I really try not to refer to anything with my clients as problems. I try to kind of reframe their mind space, mindset to be, there's a space where they currently are. There's the space where they want to be, and there's the in-between, which is why they've hired me to kind of help them bridge that gap. An example of this might be if I have a client that comes in who wants to lose some weight. It's not that there's a problem with their current body. It's just that they'd like to lose some weight and feel stronger and feel better. So rather than focusing on like a problem or a result, we'll focus on adding to their current lifestyle. So I try to think of myself as kind of a habit builder, and that's what I'm really here for. So depending on the client and what they're currently doing, maybe those habit that habit would be, hey, here's the space in between. Let's work on strength training three times a week for the next four weeks. 
and see where that gets us. Does that get us closer to your goal? Does it get us further away from your goal? What does it do? After that, maybe we'll look at what they're doing overall. What's the, what's the next step? Do they need to be eating more protein at dinner? Do we need to be adding something green? So it's not really a problem solving business. It's a habit building business, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. And thank you for pushing back on me. That's that's my marketing speak. But I totally appreciate that that reframe is really important in your space and helps someone come to the table with a level of positive acceptance about the current state, I guess, rather than looking at it as a problem, which perhaps is um, something that permeates your industry a little bit and isn't the nicest place for your clients to be in. And I think that you'll see that more as we talk about kind of like how marketing in the fitness space is maybe a little bit different than just traditional marketing, at least the way that I do it with my business, because I don't want to ever push somebody to be like, I need this service because I need to change something about myself. I want it to be, I need this service or I want this service because I'm ready to add something positive to my life. And I want to do something to for my body to show how much I appreciate it. And like, in its current state, even if that's not where you want to be. Sure. I love that. And I can't remember who is responsible for this language. Um, so I will have to reference that and put it in the show notes. But um, in marketing, sometimes we talk about, hey, you're selling a painkiller or you're selling a supplement. And I think what I hear you say is, hey, I'm selling the supplement. I'm not selling the painkiller in, in this instance, meaning I'm not coming in and saying, hey, you have a broken leg, let me help you solve that. I'm coming in and saying, hey, you're just great the way you are. But if you want to get a little bit healthier, you want to reach certain fitness goals, you want to reach uh, certain nutrition goals, then I'm here to help you do that. And that's that supplement. Yeah, I think that that's exactly it. And I think that sometimes in the space that I'm in, it gets confusing as trying to sell yourself as how you've branded a supplement in this example, because then people think like, oh, you don't think that I'm allowed to have goals or to want to change. And it's no, we we're here, whatever your goals are within reason, I'm here to support you and help you with those things. But there's no way, like if you're not feeling good about your body right now, And it's because even if we'll take the opposite example, it's because you feel like you're too lean and you'd like to gain some weight and put on some muscle and you're not feeling happy. If you're not feeling happy now, even if we do those things, if you don't change your mindset around that, there's no way that you're going to be happy at any stage of your body, right? Like it really comes from just feeling, feeling better overall. And that's not something that anybody else can just give to you or sell you. And so I think that that's really important to remember when you're like branding yourself as a a fitness industry that we're here to make people feel good. We're not here to shame them into doing something. A hundred percent. And I've seen some of us in your social media posts, for example, even when you talk about the use of filters, right? Um, Hey, how does the use of filters or how does the use of, and pardon me if I'm not using the right word, but how does the use of editing make someone feel when they see photos of you uh, that maybe are doctored or um, or unfiltered, I guess, and what are they striving for? And I'll let you talk a little bit more about that. So I don't, <laughs> I don't picture how I'm saying it. No, I mean, honestly, I feel like I don't fully understand social media either, if I'm being honest with myself. So I'm sure I'll butcher things here too. But that's actually been, I kind of took a break. I'll start from the beginning. So during the pandemic, my social media really took off for me. It was how I was able to start my business. And it was just posting 
videos of myself working out in my apartment. I think we all had a little bit more time during that. And so that's what I would do. And then about a year ago, I kind of was looking at my social media and was like, I don't feel great about what I am putting onto this platform. I don't feel like this is actually helpful to anybody because nobody cares if I'm working out in my living room in a sports bra and shorts because that workout is only good for me. I'm just doing this because it gets a lot of likes and it gets a lot of saves, but it's not actually attracting the people that I want to attract to my page. And it's not something that I feel good about putting out. So I kind of took this rebrand to my social media of... I have little nieces. I have lots of friends who are women who have told me that social media is not making them feel good. All the research says that social media is not making women feel good. And I started to look at what are the issues that I am contributing to in this like social media mess. And I realized that it was that I was presenting myself as fully perfect on the internet or as much as possible presenting myself as perfect on the internet. And that is not real life. So I've tried to move away from that and really show like, listen, these are what people look like on the internet and they are, they're totally allowed to edit and use filters. And that is their choice. But my choice is to show you how the fitness industry does that. I'm going to show you like how we pose, how we edit our photos I'm going to show you movements that are actually useful because just posting a workout isn't helping anybody. The workout that I do probably isn't the workout that you should do. And half the time, the workouts that I was doing on Instagram weren't actually the workouts that I was doing. They were just the workouts that I was filming. And I think that that's a lot of the fitness industry. So I've tried to move away from that and do things like what you're talking about of here's what my face looks like when I edit my photo. And the next photo is here's what the original looked like. Or these photos were taken 20 seconds apart. One is posed properly. One is me just relaxed and hanging out. And people that look like they have abs on the internet don't always have abs most of the time in real life. It's just lighting and angles. And then also posting movements and not full workout. So explaining why I'm doing a certain movement, explaining if you're having certain pains or certain mobility issues, if this movement would maybe help you because that to me is more helpful information than me just showing a full workout or somebody showing you their full day of eating because those things don't apply to anybody else except for that individual person. And that was a very long rant, but (laughs) social media is just such a like, it's such a monster. And I wish that more people in the fitness industry could be just a little bit more transparent as to what they're posting and why they're posting it. First of all, I love your rant. (laughs) Second of all, I think it's important for any business to understand what's going to attract attention versus what's going to um, bring in the right type of clientele who maybe have, for example, in your case, the mindset that you're looking to bring in, meaning do you want to be attracting people who are looking at a pose photo of your abs and thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have abs, so um, you know I'm not worthy in whatever way, shape, or form? Or do you want to attract people who say, I don't have abs and that's okay. I love myself the way I am, but I do have some goals and I'd love Allie to help me work on them. You know, So I think what you're doing is very in line with 
the type of person you want to attract. And I think it's super smart. And I think if someone's listening to this, whether they're in the fitness industry or not, there's some lessons to take away from here, which is, hey, what kind of posts do I put on social media to attract attention? And then what what do I post once I'm in front of my ideal audience in order to uh, present a realistic picture of what, what they should expect when they do work with me? A hundred percent. And like even further than that, when you're using social media for your business, like I am and like a lot of us do, I think being mindful of that, like you're truly using social media and social media isn't just using you, if that makes sense. Like making sure that you're putting out that meaningful content, that you're spending your time on there wisely rather than getting sucked into going down a rabbit hole of just seeing what other people are doing and trying to replicate that. A hundred percent. And so let, let me ask you a little bit more about your services and some of your gym products because you have a couple different arms of the business. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about each and um, including your upcoming gym space. Yeah. So I would, I would say our services is where my business really shines. Um, I love our products. I think that they offer kind of a unique feel to them and that our main product is resistance bands. And a lot of times when you're at the, at the gym, your resistance bands are sliding all over the place. These ones are double lined, so they don't slip. They stay where you put them. Um, and the resistance stays. So even if you have them for a year or two years, you're using them all the time, they're not going to stretch out like a lot of the, the cheaper made, more cheaply made bands will. And that's kind of, we have some new products coming out in the fall and I'm trying to keep that like quality across the board and that, yeah, you might be spending a little bit more here, but you know that the product that you're getting is really going to last and really going to do well. But with that said, our services are where we shine. Um, the motto for my business is 1% every, 1% better every day. And I think we've kind of touched on this, but there's a big misconception when it comes to fitness is that, and that's that you need to be perfect or close to perfect or cut things out to see results. When the truth is you just need your actions to be a little bit more aligned with your goals. So when I have somebody come to me, I don't want to change your entire life in one session or like one week or one month. I want us to slowly over time be building sustainable, enjoyable habits and I think that that is a very different approach than what a lot of trainers and a lot of gyms and a lot of like supplement companies try to throw at you in the fitness industry of like, you'll see all the photos are like timelined, like do this. And in three weeks, you'll look like a newborn baby or like whatever it is, like (laughs) 20 pounds, like just ridiculous things where my approach is, you know, this might be slow and your progress might be slow, but why would you, why are you in a rush if it's forever, right? Like if I can help you find a workout routine, help you find habits that you truly enjoy and complement your life and also get the results that you want rather than getting you the results that you want in a matter of months that as soon as you realize those aren't sustainable, you're going to go back to what you were doing before, right? So like, We want to build something that is really for life. And that's the difference is like, you're coming here. You can expect to be here for a long time. (laughs) Like most of my clients stay years. Honestly, I think my turnover is really low. And that's because 
it becomes part of their life and it's not this like overwhelming thing where they feel like they have to give it 200% or zero. Like we're good with 80% or whatever you're willing to give. I think that's really refreshing to be honest. And we see this in a lot of industries where there's this over promising in order to make the sale, but it doesn't necessarily match (laughs) what the reality is on the back end. Well, and if you think about it and you're like, I'm coming in to give 200% because I wanted to reach this goal like yesterday. Yeah, you can temporarily change your body for sure. You can get those results that you're looking for quickly. But how are you going to be able to give 200% for the rest of your life? That's are you going to miss out on doing things that you love because you need to go to the gym? Are you going to go to dinners with your friends and family and not eat because you're scared to go over your calories for the day or something like that doesn't sound enjoyable to me. Like, I don't want to just temporarily change how you look. I want to change your entire attitude towards fitness. I want training to be the highlight of your week. I want you to enjoy meals out with your friends and family and not feel stressed or guilty. I want you to miss the gym because you have a friend in town and you want to go wine tasting. Like I don't want fitness to be your entire life. I want it to be a part of your life that makes you feel better in the other aspects of your life. I love that. So let's talk about maybe the difference between your online and in-person services, if there is a difference. There is definitely a difference. Um, I would say in person, you're just going to see better results. I, I wish that it wasn't that way, but online, we still communicate constantly. And I have an app. So basically you download the app. We'll have talked about your goals. We'll have talked about if you have any mobility issues And I'll build you a custom program based off of that. We'll also, depending on what package you go with, we'll talk about nutrition and possibly meet over the phone once a week to kind of check in on your nutrition goals, adjust anything that you need adjusted in your program. You'll see it updated every week. With my in-person people, we do all those things, but I also get to see you. So a lot of times people don't realize that they have a mobility issue until I've pointed it out to them, or we don't get to build that same kind of connection that I get to build with my people that I see in person because we just don't have that constant line of communication. And yes, my online people will send me videos. I'll get to see their movements if there's something they feel that they're struggling with. But again, it comes down to their own perception of their body's movement, where a lot of times you need an outside person to look at you and say, oh, you're leaning a little bit to your left in your squat. Like it looks like your right hip flexor is a little tight or a little weak. Like we're going to adjust your program to adapt for that. And that's just kind of this barrier to being able to help with those smaller things online because you just can't see all of that. I completely understand that. I think it makes a lot of sense. So let's say someone's listening to this podcast and they're thinking, hey, am I ready for personal training with Allie, whether it's online or um, in person, when would you suggest someone seek out your services? Like when are they ready to start working with you? You know, it really depends on the person. And I think that if you would have asked me this question a couple years ago, I would have answered it. And like, if you have a goal and what you're currently doing isn't working, or you even think that you want to talk to a personal trainer, go talk to a personal trainer. Now I would say that You don't have to, you still don't have to be a hundred percent ready, but you have to be ready to hand over some control and know that this is for the long haul and take advice, even if it isn't 
what you want to hear. I think, you know, we touched on this earlier that a lot of times when people come in, they're, they're 200% ready for their goals to be done yesterday. Like they, they want their goals reached right now. And so they're really reluctant to take my advice if the advice makes them feel like they are not going to be moving forward for a little bit. For example, if I have somebody who comes in and they're really struggling with their relationship with food and their goal is weight loss, I'm actually going to recommend that we step away from having the goal as be of being weight loss for at least a couple months. And a lot of times people really don't want to hear that because they're so dead set on this end goal that they want right now. And they want that gratification of losing five pounds or whatever it is. But even if I get them to lose that five pounds, we haven't healed that underlying issue and that they don't have a healthy relationship with food. And so even if I can get them to lose some weight right away, they're not going to have lasting results because they're going to go back to the eating patterns and exercise patterns that they had before until we're able to heal that relationship. So that just means making somebody feel more confident with their food choices, helping somebody understand that like you need to eat, even if you ate too much yesterday or feel that you overate the day before you still need to eat today. You don't need to withhold food from yourself if you didn't work out that day. So creating a more comfortable relationship surrounding food and eating is more important than the goal of weight loss. And so people don't always come ready to take my advice. They'll come in, they'll hear that. They'll be like, well, I still want to train with you, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and I'm going to restrict myself here or do this here. And then three months in, they'll be like, well, I'm not seeing the results that I was hoping for. And I'm like, yeah, because you haven't actually changed anything and you won't take my advice. And then it's usually at that point that they're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to take the advice. I'm ready to actually, I'm like, you hired me. You're paying me for this advice. (laughs) Like, don't you want to take it? (laughs) And then once they do, and once we're able to kind of move forward and heal those relationships with food and exercise and make them feel confident in both of those situations, we can start moving forward with whatever that other goal might be. So I would just say, you know that you're ready if you're willing to come to a trainer and get advice that you might not want to hear. And if you're ready to come to a trainer and know that it is, it might take a while to reach the goals that you're looking for and that any quick fixes are not actually fixes. They're just aesthetic band-aids where you might look how you wanted to look or you might move closer towards how you wanted to look, but it's a quick fix for a reason. It's not here to provide lasting results. I wish you could see me because I'm just like vigorously nodding (laughs) to everything (laughs) you say. One, because I see the same thing in marketing, but actually in a lot of industries where that instant gratification is Mm -hmm. so sexy, right? But that's not really what you are hired for uh, or what you want to be hired for. So I think it's super smart advice to anyone who's listening and thinking about, Hey, am I ready for personal training with Allie or with someone else? And am I ready to take someone else's advice? Even if it means the path towards getting to my results is very different than the path I envisioned. Mm -hmm. So Allie, you started, uh, You started your business in 2019 coming from an accounting, which is like such a different world than the fitness industry. Maybe you can tell us a little more about that and how you got to this business you have now. Yeah. So honestly, I hated accounting. (laughs) I just hated it. And I was miserable every day at work. 
And it's what my undergrad degree was in. It's what my master's degree was in. And so I felt like I needed to stay there. And then I actually saw this, I think it was a meme on like Instagram that said, it was the example of this woman who was a lawyer. She became a lawyer, absolutely hated it, knew that she was going to hate it, ended up being a lawyer for 40 years. And she said, I knew after my first year being a lawyer that I hated this. And it could have been one miserable year. And instead it was 50. And oh my God, I was like, (laughs) you know what? (laughs) I don't want another miserable year here. I, I had always worked in fitness part-time, just teaching group classes. And I knew that I absolutely loved working in the fitness industry. I loved being part of the highlight of so many people's weeks. I loved being part of making them feel good and feel confident and feel empowered. And I started planning to be like, how can I make this my full-time job? And at the end of 2019, I left accounting and I was terrified because I think that that was the first time that I ever asked myself like what I wanted to do. I think that like I got into accounting and so far down that path because there's this external pressure to do what looks good and to look put together all the time. And all of a sudden I was like that crazy family member that quit their stable job to like (laughs) go teach like spin class. (laughs) And the funny part is like, I mean, obviously I'm so much happier And I'm working just as much as I was working in accounting, but it doesn't feel like that because I love my job and I don't mind putting in the longer hours now. I actually like feel good when I get to put in the longer hours because I know that it's, it's working towards something that is important to me, but it hasn't been like the easiest path, obviously, like working in any industry and starting your own business in any industry, I think is really scary and you have weeks, or at least I have weeks where I'm like, wow, I am so good at my job. Like everyone should hire me. And then I have weeks being like, should I go like do something else? Like clearly this is not working out for me. And I think that like with starting your own business, you just have to know that there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows and you have to just kind of work through both of them. And yeah, like you, you, we touched on this earlier that COVID kind of kind of played a role in my business as well. Because when I quit my job, I hadn't started fully my business yet. It was just kind of an idea. And I started working at this training studio. And I think two weeks into my job working at a training studio, COVID happened and everything shut down. And so I got laid off and I was just like, well, I don't know what to do next. And I started posting workouts on Instagram and found the community of people who I think we're also looking for a different approach to fitness because of the pandemic and also because the fitness industry maybe hadn't served them in the way that it should, right? Like, I think that a lot of people make the mistake of looking at their clients as just clients. And I try to look at them as like, these are the people that I want to help. And this is the community of people that has trusted me with so many things. Coming into fitness is such a vulnerable place for a lot of people. And so I think that that idea just really made me want to start my own business and, and help people in a different way. I love that. I love that you were brave enough to say accounting is not working for me, even though I've gone down this path for my bachelor's, my master's and 
and I have a stable job. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And to some degree, I imagine that background still serves you very well now, even though you're in a completely different industry because you totally does. Yeah. And like running my own business, I'm able to look at things, I think, in a different way than a lot of trainers, just because I have a background that is different than a lot of trainers. And I think that I understand sometimes you get so caught up in, like I've talked about, like wanting to help people, wanting to do what's best for them. But you still do have to remember that it is a business too, right? Like I still have to be profitable or I'm not going to be able to help people. And I think that sometimes in the fitness industry, we kind of devalue ourselves and give away a lot for free or at reduced pricing. And I certainly did that at the beginning of my career. And I now recognize, like, I thought that I was doing a favor to other people by giving them discounts and giving them freebies and all of this, but it wasn't a favor to them because it didn't make them take their training seriously. It made, it devalued it to them and it devalued me. So I think that if I hadn't had that background in accounting, going back and looking and being like, you know what, I need to be profitable and I need my clients to take this seriously. I don't know if I'd be where I am today with like opening a studio and building this business and having our first hires and stuff like that. So I'm I'm grateful for the reps that I put in in accounting, but I don't miss it. (laughs) (laughs) You're glad you didn't spend 50 years. Uh I don't think I would have hair if I was still in accounting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I think it's really, as I said, courageous, but also fascinating to see kind of how that skill has served you. And I think so often when people start their own business and they're really good at their craft, whatever it is they do, it's easy to think that being really good alone makes you money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And it might make you money, but are you keeping it, right? So um, I think that's that emphasis on profit is really important and being able to see, yeah, I can open a studio on the back end of some of my choices is really impressive. Yeah, and like... Like I kind of talked, I mean, I, I don't know if this is just fitness industry. I think it's also like being women in business that at least I at first felt guilty charging people, like, which is ridiculous. This is a business. You're coming here for my services. If I was going anywhere else, I, I would pay what they're charging. And so I think that, that having that bottom line of, well, this needs to be profitable in order to continue helping people and in order to help the most people possible with their goals, there needs to be some sort of profit really helped me and hopefully can help other people and other women as they kind of start their business ventures. Yeah, it's interesting because I also see that mindset sometimes uh, more prevalent with female business owners. But I also think it's something that in the beginning we think, oh my gosh, we need to get our name out there. So we should do everything for free. And while I think it can, you know, sometimes giving away stuff for free or for a discount can serve you in marketing, it's not a long term strategy. (laughs) Uh, I don't think it works very well for a long time unless you just want to get freebie seekers. Yeah. No, no, it's fair. So I've done that with my training and with online coaching where I offered like come in for a free session, come in like first month for free. And every single person that came in for the free session just wanted to get as much information as me from me as possible. And I never heard from them again. 
And that was a huge learning experience for me because I just told them that the value of the product that I'm giving is free. It's zero dollars. I told them that this time is not worth anything when really this time is worth a lot. And the knowledge that I have spent years learning and perfecting for them is worth something. And so when I just think that that really already devalued it, whereas when I like post, hey, have some openings in my schedule, that attracts the buyers that want to buy because they're not coming in with the intention of, oh, I'm getting a free session. This is an opportunity to have somebody correct my form. This is an opportunity to ask them 8,000 questions that I can rapid fire in the one hour free session. (laughs) They're coming (laughs) in because they're like, Ali has an open spot on her schedule and I want that spot. Like I will do whatever she wants me to do to get that open spot. And I think like, you know, in my case, I had a wait list for a while. I just opened up some new spots. And even if you don't have a full schedule or a wait list or whatever, creating that kind of like urgency or at least the appearance of urgency, I think can be a good thing. Not always, but... I think that it can be can be helpful in getting people to come in without having to give away something for free. But that's just my experience. I love that. I think it's really good advice. And I can't tell you how many businesses I've talked to who've used, for example, Groupon as a way to tentatively get in front of new customers. And they say the same thing as you. They're like, yeah, first of all, we had to discount our services so much we made no profit. And then we got high volume of people coming in, but they never came back. So I think being able to track that and say, hey, I might try this experiment and do a freebie and then decide, is that still worth it? I think it's so important as a business owner when you're looking at your marketing. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Groupon too. Like I've never used Groupon for my business, but I've purchased Groupon. And when you buy Groupon and then you go... Like now I think of the value of the service as whatever I paid for Groupon. So then when I find out that it's more expensive, I'm like, but it that's not the value that I've given it. So I think creating that value and continuing to show that value consistently is really important in like any stream, like just reinforcing the value that you have. I love that. So, you know, the purpose of this podcast is to help other business owners kind of hear what's working for you, some learning lessons you had, which I think you've already shared, but I'd love to know like what's working for you right now when it comes to getting in front of new people. Is it primarily word of mouth? Is it social media? Is it a combination of both? I would say it's a pretty heavy combination of both. Social media, as we talked about, I kind of shifted gears in rather than trying to get in front of the most people possible, I'm trying to get in front of the people that align with what I'm putting out and what my, my training style is. And so I think shifting that mindset of rather than trying to get the highest volume of people seeing me, trying to get the right people to see me has really changed the way that I use social media, the way that I use referrals. One thing that I've done with social media that I think has really helped is my clients are excited about training with me. So I try to highlight them training with me and that has helped me get in front of the people that I want to be in front of because social media is just kind of an extension of our social circles. And so say person A loves training with me and I post about them and then they repost it. 
all of a sudden person A's social circle who probably has similar interests in that as they do and might be interested in training has seen that they have a trainer. They're working out with me. They're able to come to my page versus relying on the Instagram or TikTok algorithms to get me in front of the right people. I now have this person who is intentionally putting me in front of the right people. So I think that, you know, using your social circles and then thinking of social media as an extension of those social circles has really helped with like how I use it to market myself. I think that's really smart. And it's like referrals on steroids because you're not actually asking your client for the referral in in that example you gave. You're just saying, hey, look at this amazing client I have. And then if they're excited to post about it or share it, they do. And that's honestly been how I have gotten a majority of my clients in the last six months, I would say, is from current clients reposting what they are doing when they're working out with me. And then they'll get a DM being like, oh, you work out with the trainer? And they're like, yeah, she's great. Here's her contact information. And then they contact me. Or if they're coming straight from social media, they they might go straight to the form that we have on the website and go to there. But usually when it's being shared, they then come straight to me, which is great because then we're already opening up that line of communication. And I just imagine they're kind of (laughs) pre-sold. Like there's not as much selling that has to happen because they've been referred your way. No, usually they come in and they're like, great, I'm ready to pay. And I'm like, we haven't even done the consultation yet. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's so awesome. So I was going to ask you about your form. I think it's such a smart way um, to maybe get in front of leads that aren't quite as hot, but have them give you a little bit of information before they do a consultation with you. Totally. And it kind of, it like weeds out anybody that is not serious, to be honest, because if you get online and you see a form and you're like, do I really want to do this? You're probably going to get distracted by something else and not fill it out. Or like, if you come to my website and you take the time to fill out the form, you're pretty ready. Like you're ready to come in or you're ready. I would say most of the people that fill out the form are my online clients that are ready to do online coaching. Um, and I forgot to mention this earlier, a big draw for the online coaching, I think for people is they want to train with me, but they don't have a set schedule. They don't have set times they can work out. Maybe they don't live in Denver. It's more affordable. Um, so it's just, it's easier for them to open up the line of communication there because we'll always kind of stay as like an online communication where I think that when people are ready to come in person, they'll normally just shoot me a DM because it's a little bit more informal since we're going to be seeing each other and seeing at least a couple of times a week, usually for training. But the form is great for if you're just kind of weeding out anybody that's not actually serious to for subscription services like this, you kind of get rid of anybody that doesn't want to be there. Yeah, I anyone who provides a service, I think having some sort of form before consultation is one of the best ways you can help decide is someone going to be a good fit for me or not because if they can't take the time to answer a couple questions like how difficult of a client are they going to be? How committed are they really to the process? How collaborative are they going to be? Because it's never just you as a service provider alone (laughs) performing in isolation. (laughs) So I just think that's really smart. And for you, especially like you need someone to be committed to their health and wellness journey in order for them, for you to really help them. Yeah. And like, I honestly can't pinpoint any one thing that it is, but the clients that I do have are just amazing. Like they, I just have such a great client base and 
I think that some of that comes from these things of like creating an environment on social media. Some of it comes from having a form or another layer to like get through before communication. But I also think that a lot of it just comes from staying authentic and staying on brand constantly, right? Like if I was all over the place of like, posting one day about how photo editing isn't great and it's toxic. And then the next day I was posting a bunch of like only edited photos of myself saying like, these are natural. Like I'm probably not going to attract the people that I want to attract. So finding whatever kind of niche you want to be in, how you want to present in that niche and then staying loyal to that is how I think that you kind of get the clients that you want to have. I think that's really smart. So what about people who reach out to you, but aren't quite ready for services yet? How do you stay in front of them, if, if at all? So I have a, a monthly email list. And so if you filled out the form, you can always unsubscribe, of course. If you filled out the form, if you've contacted me in any way, generally I the, your email is the first thing that I ask for. So you'll get our my monthly email. And sometimes that's just like a trainer tip. Sometimes it's new information that's coming out in the training world, like new ideas, whatever that might be, new workout styles. Sometimes it's cool recipes that I really like. Just something to kind of give them some value where that they don't want to unsubscribe from me and I'm there reminding them that I exist once a month. If it is a person that wants to come in person, sometimes I'll follow up. Like usually we've texted, they've called. Sometimes I'll follow up in a text message just being like, hey, just wanted to check in on how things are going. If you're still interested in coming in sometime. And I think that that eventually gets pretty good turnover if people end up coming in. But it just kind of varies case to case. As long as they're, I really try to get them signed up for the email list because I think that that's just a good way to stay, stay in touch. But honestly, usually by the time that somebody gets to the point that they've reached out, they're ready. Once they've reached out about training, like I think that that is such a vulnerable thing to be like, I have a goal that is different than where I'm at and I am ready to hire somebody to help me with this. Like once you've taken that step, generally you're ready to actually hire somebody for it. I think that's really insightful. And to your point, it's not like someone's reaching out for a haircut. <laughs> but no. I can wait, you know, and it's not that vulnerable. By the time somebody reaches out, they wanted their goals a month ago. So (laughs) they're ready to be here. I like it. Well, I so appreciate you sharing all this information with us. And I just am curious if you had to give one piece of advice to another business owner who's working on growing their business and marketing, what might that piece of advice be? I would say that it's kind of similar to the advice that I give people when they come work out with me to focus on the process. So focus on the habits that you think will lead you to that end goal rather than reaching the end goal. So like I said, an example of like, I want more clients rather than just going out there and being like, I want more clients, free sessions, group on, trying to get as many, like only focused on that end goal of more clients. Think about the services that you're providing your current clients. Think about how the work that you're putting in behind the scenes to make sure that you're providing something that's different and those kind of clients and that end goal will come, right? It's the same in fitness where if your goal is to lose weight rather than focusing on lose weight, maybe focus on getting in a 20 minute walk three times a week. Like just don't always be so focused on that end goal on that instant gratification. 
Yeah, and almost what I hear too is like, what's that 1% better I can do Mm -hmm. consistently in order to keep my marketing moving forward? Totally. Yeah, like what, rather than, because I know that you kind of mentioned like people are really eager to jump on the next shiny thing on marketing to put all their effort into one thing when it maybe doesn't make sense. So like putting in 1% more into what you're currently doing or 1% into another area and seeing what sticks, I think would be better. So just focusing on getting the reps in, not like what the end result is supposed to be. Well, and like we said, when you have your own business, there there are those low points. And if you're so focused on the end goal and not on the habits or the things that you are doing to make your business better, it's really easy to get discouraged to be like, wow, I had a really bad month or I had somebody cancel their membership that I wasn't expecting to cancel. Or it's really easy to get hung up on those things. But if you're focused on... I'm working to be the best in my industry. I'm working through these avenues for marketing right now. I'm putting a little bit more effort into this area because that seems to be working. I think it's easier to not get discouraged. So they can find me at my Instagram. It's just Allie Kenobi, A-L-L-I-E-K-N-O-B-B-E. Or they can find me at astosi.com and garagetraining.com. Thank you so much, Lauren. Heck yeah. You just finished another episode of the Marketing That Generates podcast. I hope you found a few takeaways that you can put into action right away. If you want more on today's episode, head over to marketingthatgenerates.com for show notes, links, bonus resources, and related episodes. Plus, if you're looking to connect with other amazing business owners just like you, be sure to join my free community. You can get access at marketingthatgenerates.com. Thanks for listening and I'll meet you back here next week.